can be seated the rest of the time. And I want to continue this series on stewardship. Well, I'll tell you, stewardship is so powerful, and it's very, very spiritual. It's not only about money, it's about all of life. And next week, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, and I'm going to be talking to you about first fruits or first things first. And we're learning about the ways of God. You know, it's one thing to know Him, it's another thing to know His ways. His ways, which you got to know if you're going to walk with Him. Now, 1 Peter 4.10, powerful verse. He says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, as each one has received a gift. Now, he's talking to the body of believers. So I want you to catch that you are an each one. He says, everyone, every believer has received a gift. And you may be thinking, well, I don't think I did because I don't know what it is. Just because you don't know what it is doesn't mean you don't have it. As each one has received a gift, minister it. Here's what you do with it. Minister it to one another. So notice Peter says, you've all got a gift. Well, the only good gift is a given gift. The only good gift is a sown gift. And here's, he said, tells us why now. So we got the gift. He says, you give it as good stewards of the manifold, multifaceted grace of God. So God is a God of multifaceted, manifold grace. Please understand, you take this body of believers today, the Holy Spirit moves across the body of Christ and the Bible says as he wills he gifts every believer not just the preachers I'm a vast minority the majority the true church growers are you you're the ones who multiply the church I'm just here to equip you you're the ones who are supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. Did you know that? So, say with me, I've got a gift. I'm supposed to give it as a good steward. Father, thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell your neighbor, perk up and listen. You need this today. All right. Now, it's funny. It's funny how when you read the Bible, you really do not discover church being done the way we're used to doing it. The way you see church being done in the New Testament is very different from traditional church. Here, Peter's telling us that we've all been given a gift, and we're supposed to use that gift to bless others. And that's because we are not owners of the gift, but we're stewards. You know, what's really sad is you see so many hugely gifted people out there in the culture, and they use that, their gifts to, to glorify themselves. They use their gifts to spend on themselves. They never give the gift to God, and that's what I'm going to talk to you about today, the blessings or the rewards of stewardship. There are incredible rewards, the incredible rewards of stewardship. But 
A gift is something that first you've got to give up to God, give to him, say, Lord, you gave me this, so I'm giving it to you for your purposes. And then you go and minister that gift to others. The only gift is a given. Good gift is a given gift. That's the only good gift. A hoarded gift is a wasted gift. Okay? Now, we've seen the last few weeks that a steward, what is a steward when you read that name, that word steward, what does it mean? A steward is somebody entrusted with something that belongs to somebody else. That's what a steward is. How many of you as teenagers ever borrowed your dad's car? That's it? Boy, your parents were wise. Let's just pretend like you did. Have you ever noticed when you borrow somebody's car, like your parents, how much more careful you are? At least you ought to be because it's not your car. So you know you can't trash it like you might normally trash it. You can't throw the McDonald's wrapper on the floor. You can't let French fries get all over the seat. Uh, You've got to keep it clean because it's somebody else's car. Now, what the Bible is telling us is that, that we don't own anything. But as stewards, we have been entrusted what belongs to somebody else. Peter says, you've all received a gift, a spiritual gift, to minister to others. But we have been given much more than spiritual gifts. The clothes you're wearing, the house or the apartment that you live in, the car you drive, the job you've got, can we just fess up today and admit that it came from the hand of God, the the energy to work, the ability to do a job. It doesn't matter if you've got your golden opportunity or something under the golden arches. It does not matter. God gave you the power and the ability to do it. Every day is a gift Today is a gift of life. That's why David said, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it because God could remove his blessing and we would die. We are held together and our life is held together by the word of the power of Christ. We are held together by his word. The entire atomic makeup of the world, the atomic structures of the world are held together by the word of Christ. So everything that we have, he's allowed us to have. I thank God for another day of life, another day to preach, another day to bless you, another day to glorify him, another day to read his word, another day day to enjoy in the Lord. In him I live and in him I move and in him I have my being. I thank God for another day. What about you? Praise God. So stewardship means that I have been entrusted with something that belongs to somebody else. Everything that I have, he's let me have. He's the owner, I'm the steward. He's the possessor, I am the manager. Now the bedrock truth of stewardship is this. The bedrock underlying truth of the whole concept of stewardship is this. Everything belongs to God. Can you say that with me? Everything belongs to to God. Everything. The Bible says, the earth is the Lord's, David said, and all its fullness. And he owns everything in it. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the oil in the Middle East. He owns all the Barnett Shale in Johnson County. God owns everything. He really owns your house. He really owns your clothes. He really owns you. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You are a purchased possession. That means your body 
is something you administer stewardship over. You don't own it. It's owned by him. You were bought by the blood of the lamb. You're purchased by him. You are his and he is yours. His banner over you is love. You are the Lord's. He owns you. That's why when he gets good and ready, he's going to blow the trumpet. And whether you're in a train, on a plane, in your house, in a car, walking your dog down the street, standing up like me, preaching the word of God, you're going up, friend. You're going up when God says you're going up. Get ready for it because you're his. He's got the whole world. Boy, y'all did good. We need to cut a CD. <laughs> so what is life? What is life? Life is not an experience of ownership. Life is not an experience of ownership. Life is an experience of stewardship. You're not going to answer for what you owned. You're going to answer for what he trusted you with. Because we don't own anything. Listen to what Paul said. Paul said, we don't own a thing. He said, quote, for we brought nothing into this world, not anything. And it is certain we can carry nothing out. And what we obtain from birth to death is a stewardship issue, not ownership. We're going to answer for the works done in our bodies. We're going to answer for our possessions. We're going to answer to God for the giftings that he gave us, whether or not we use them to his glory. In all of Jesus' parables on stewardship, there was a common theme that ran throughout all of them, a common denominator. The Lord of those servants who receive the gifts and the talents returns for an accounting of their stewardship. When Jesus returns, every believer in Christ who's been washed in the blood and born again will go to the judgment seat of Christ. We will not go to the great white throne judgment where all sin is judged and the books are open and the book of life is open. And if your name is not found written in the book of life, he says, depart from me, I never knew you. And we are cast into an eternity without God. That's what it says. That's not where the believer will go. We'll go before the judgment seat of Christ. And the judgment seat of Christ is different. There our works will be tried. And if there were works that were done to the glory of God, they are silver, gold, and precious stones. If there are works that were done to our glory and we did not live for Christ and we did not give him our giftings, they are burned up as wood, hay, and stubble. We make it into heaven, but by the skin of our chinny-chin-chin. By the blood. So we're going to answer for the stewardship that we practiced in our life. Please understand, life is not that bumper sticker that says, he who dies with the most toys wins, is the bumper sticker of idiots. Because if I can't take it with me, and I didn't come into the world with anything, it's not true that if you die with the most toys, you win. No, if you died just living to collect toys, boats, cars, houses, money, 401ks, you lose. But if you give your life to the glory of God, give his gifts back to him and use them for his glory, then and only then do you hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, You've been faithful over a little. I'm going to make you ruler over much. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then you win. Then you win. If you live to the glory of God, you win. 
Now today I want to look at three of the incredible rewards of stewardship. And let me tell you what they are. You're going to leave here today knowing what the rewards of stewardship are. Because God, you can't outgive God. You can never outgive God. If you give him your life and give him the giftings he gave you and you are a good steward over them, you'll never outgive God. Here are the three rewards. Number one, the privilege of working with abundance. The privilege of working with abundance. The second, the privilege of working with someone great. The privilege of working with someone great. Third, the third reward of stewardship, the privilege of being involved in great projects. Mm. The privilege of being involved in great projects. Now, let me talk to you about the first one. The first reward of stewardship, guarantee you, it's going to happen to you if you're a good steward is the privilege of working with abundance. The privilege of working with abundance. One of the first principles of faithful stewardship is this one. Faithfulness over a little leads to an abundance of much. Faithfulness in working with a little, faithfulness over a, a little opens the door for you to be blessed with an abundance of much. Everywhere that I read Jesus talking about stewardship, this is the principle. Faithfulness over a little. You've been faithful over a few things Jesus said to his servants. I'm going to make you ruler over much. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Jesus said to his faithful steward, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. Do you see that when you're faithful over a little bit in this world, not only are you blessed with an abundance, with an increasing abundance in your own life in many different arenas of living, but you are actually laying up in the life to come. Jesus said to this servant, you were faithful over the little I gave you in this life. Now have authority over 10 cities. Because let me tell you who this world belongs to and in in whose hands it's going to wind up. It's not going to wind up in the devil's hands. It's not going to wind up in the hands of wicked men. It's going to wind up in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to rule this world with a scepter of righteousness. And those who were faithful in this life to him, I believe, are given authority in the world that is to come. See, no matter how small, how insignificant you may feel like your life is, you may be flipping burgers, you may be cooking french fries, and you look at your life and you say, nobody thanks me, nobody notices, I'm doing such an insignificant thing, I'm just in the shadows over here, and nobody notices and nobody cares. Let me tell you something, there is one who is watching you be faithful in the little things. He watches every move you make. He knows your name, he knows your address, he knows what you do with your day, he knows your faith, he knows your attitude. So flip those burgers to the glory of God. Do whatever you're doing with all your might. Do it great. Do it to the glory of God. Do it as a Christian. Do it with his name stamped on it. And he watches the little that you're faithful over. And the Bible says, when you're faithful over a little, the God of promotion, which comes not from the east and not from the west. It doesn't come from that mean boss. No, no, no. God will smile on you, though all hell comes against you. Your promotion will come from God if you're faithful over a little. 
You can't outgive God. He's watching what you do, and he's watching the attitude you do it in. He listens if you complain, or he listens if you bless him. I mean, when you wake up in the morning, put the word of God on your tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat fruit from it. I'm telling you, folks, bless the Lord. You say, well, God doesn't see me in this little lowly job I'm doing. He doesn't. Listen, he's watching you, and he's measuring your attitude, and the day's going to come. God will bless you. I see people in this sanctuary who are a testimony to this truth. If you're faithful over a little, the day comes when you hear the voice of the Lord saying, come up hither. God can do what no man can do. And God will place you where no man could ever place you. He's a God of promotion. As long as you keep what you have and don't give it to him, here's the deal. It remains untouched by God. Here's the key to stewardship. As long as you keep what you have, it remains untouched by God. Transformation and miracles begin when you present what you have to him as a good steward. How many of you want to see God move in your life? I mean, you don't want Western churchianity. You want New Testament, first century Christianity. You want God moving in your life. Do you want God? Do you want God evidently, clearly, distinctly moving in your life where you look up and say, praise God, I could never have done this. This was the hand of the Lord. Does anybody want that in here today? Okay. Now watch this. Here's here's the key. See, one day Jesus was teaching thousands of people and he turned to his disciple and he said, he said to his disciple, He said, look at all these people. They're hungry. They've been following me in the wilderness for three days. What are we going to do to feed them? Philip is blown away. And he starts checking the bank account. He pulls out the the money purse. And he goes through it. He says, Lord, even if we gave somebody a little teeny bit, there's not enough to go around. There's 5,000 men plus women and children. We don't have enough money, Lord. And then Jesus said, well, what do you have? Well, a little boy was there whose mama had given him a sack lunch that morning. He said, Mama, I want to go follow Jesus. I want to go listen to Jesus. She said, take this sack lunch. Here's five loaves and two fishes, son. Be careful. I know he's a good teacher. Have a good time. Now this little boy has no idea that he's about to have an experience greater than if he was at a World Series game and caught a pot fly. Oh, yeah, this is going to change his life because he hears the master saying, give me what you have. I got five loaves and two fishes, but here. Now, there's a pattern here. It says Jesus took it, blessed it, broke it, and gave it. I see the same thing in the Last Supper. He took it, blessed it, broke it, and gave it. I read that one day and it struck me that that's what he does with our stuff and with us. See, nothing's going to happen with you and God. You're not going to experience the power of Christianity. We need to turn that off. Can we turn that off? Thank you, Bobby. I didn't know that was on. Thank you. That's still on? Well, behold that picture. That's what I'm talking about. Because now watch this. It says, it says, when you give your life to God, this is why people go to church and they say, well, I left church and now I hug trees and I'm a Buddhist and I'm this and that and the other because Christianity didn't work for me. No, Christianity was not tried and found wanting. 
It was found difficult and not tried. Because if you do Christianity the way the Bible teaches, see, Kathy's car, you couldn't turn that horn off. I knew there was something there. You couldn't turn that horn off because the manufacturer built it to respond to a certain thing. You could yell at it, kick it, get mad at it. It's not going to make the horn stop until you do what the manufacturer set it up to do. You are the product of a divine manufacturer. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by him. And Jesus came to the earth to give us a life, but that life is found and discovered and lived when it begins by us saying, I give you me. I give you me. I don't just give you part of me. I don't just give you Sundays, but I give you me 24-7. I give you me. Because I notice something, Jesus, that when something is given to you, you take it and you bless it and you break it and then you multiply it. So I give me to you. See, and until he receives you, you're not going to experience the power of God, the anointing of God, the blessing of God. He wants us. He wants me. Can you say it with me? He wants me. So this little boy, he said, here, Lord. Now notice what Jesus did. He took it. Anything you give to the Lord, he's going to take it. He took it and he blessed it. What is given to him is blessed by him. But then he broke it. Now when I say break, I don't mean bad like a broken toy or a broken car, something that's badly broken. I'm talking about something that is brought into submission to his will. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, a yoke means that your will is gone, and now you are at the beck and call of the one who holds the reins to the yoke. So when we come to the Lord, please understand that he takes you, he blesses you, but then he proceeds to bring your will into a submitted place so that when he says go, you go. When he says stay, you stay. When he says do this and that, you do it. That's lordship. And I'm not talking about being in the yoke of satanic bondage, the yoke of addiction. That is different. That is, that is satanic. I'm talking about being under the yoke of love, the yoke of the master, where you are yoked with him and you are walking with him and he has taken your life. He has received it. He has blessed it. He has broken it. And once it went through receiving and blessing and breaking, then it multiplied. It multiplied at that point. He took that bread he blessed it. How many of you would like for him to say, I bless you? Lord, here I am. Silver and gold have I none, but I do have me. Here I am. He takes you. He blesses you. Then he says, now, here's my yoke. And he breaks you. Like a wild stallion that runs through the fields and open woods in the wilderness with no master to tame him. If you get that stallion and you put reins on him and you subdue him, then he is a beautiful horse fit for the master's use. I'm not calling you a horse or me, but I'm saying there is a strong self-will that people have. And we've got to get to the place where he brings our will into subservience to him. And when we experience that, he multiplies with abundance his blessing on us. 
This happens with your money. He takes it. He blesses it. He brings it into conformity to his will, and then he multiplies it. It's with relationships. You give him the relationships of your life. You don't get yourself involved in any relationship outside the will of God. He takes your relationships. He blesses them. He brings them in submission to the will of God, and then he multiplies his blessings through them. He does the same with everything given to him. So can you say with me, he takes it, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he multiplies it. Five loaves and two fish, this little boy watched them multiply after the master took it, blessed it, broke it. Now he's giving it, and about eight to 10,000 people were fed from five loaves and two fishes. They had 12 baskets left over, and the only time the miracle began is when it was given to him. Good stewards eventually enjoy the privilege of working with an abundance. Listen to what Paul says. So let each one, there's that phrase, each one again. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now listen to what Scripture promises to the steward who's faithful with his possessions. Listen to this. Same principle. And God is able. Can you say with me, God is able? Oh, yeah. God is able. Watch this. To make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance, abundance for every good work. Boy, I love those words. All, always, all, all, abundance. When does that happen? When it's given to him. And he takes it, he blesses it, and he breaks it, and then he multiplies it. In the Bible, Paul speaks a blessing of abundance on the good steward. And I want to speak this blessing on you today. Will you let me bless you? Here's what he said. He, he blesses the people who are good stewards. He says, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Amen. Praise God. Listen, listen to the word. All, able, always, all sufficiency, all things, abundance, supply, multiply, increase. And who does that happen to? People who give him what they have. So the first reward of a steward is the blessing of working with abundance. Anybody in here want to work with a little? I didn't think so. How many of you want to work with an abundance? Amen. Amen? All right. Be a good steward. Now the second thing, the privilege of working with someone great. That's the second reward of a steward. The privilege of working with someone great. A good steward is a co-laborer with the most incredible, awesome, fabulous person in the universe. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's working with someone great. Now, let me tell you about two kinds of people. Scripture says that God is either working with you or he's working against you. He's either working with you as an obedient steward or he's working against you as a disobedient servant. How many of you can say, I know what I want? I'll tell you what I want. I'd rather have a million demons mad at me and coming at me and have God with me than have 
God against me and no spiritual warfare coming against me because if God is against you, it's over with. But folks, I'm here to tell you today, if God be for you, you know, I read this week, David said, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, but it was the Lord who was on our side. He said, men would have devoured us. Men would have stomped us into the ground if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. But I'm telling you, folks, because of the blood of Jesus, no weapon formed against you can prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. Because God is with those who have said, Lord, I give you my life, I give you my all, and I'm going to let you take me and bless me and bring my will into subservience to yours. And I'm going to say with you, not my will, but thine be done. And then I know God is working side by side with me. I want the Lord standing right here. I believe he's standing right here. If I didn't believe he was standing right here, I wouldn't do that. But I believe that as we go, he's going with us. We are co-laborers with Jesus. Listen to the word. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 says, We then as workers together with Jesus, with Jesus, plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. He said in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9, For we are God's fellow workers. I'll tell you, folks, there is nothing like knowing that he's right there with you. There's nothing like knowing he's working on your behalf. There is nothing like knowing that God's favor is stretched out towards you. Because when I say that God is by your side, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about divine favor. A faithful steward can expect to see the favor of God. Now, how many of you would like favor? You know what the Bible says favor is like? It says when you're a co-laborer with Jesus, favor follows closer than your shadow. It doesn't mean that trials won't come. doesn't mean difficulties and disappointments won't come. But God's favor, like the sun that faithfully rises every morning, will rise over your life every day. I want to tell you something, church. He's real, and his favor is real. For instance, though Joseph of old experienced heartbreaking betrayals, setbacks, letdowns, and unwarranted attacks against himself, God's favor followed him. See, it doesn't really matter what people do to you. It's, is God with you or not? It doesn't really matter what the enemy tries against you because if you've got him standing by your side, if God be for us, who can be against us? He who kept not his only son from dying for our sins will follow us with favor. And when the enemy tries to attack you, God will counter him from three different directions. When God is for you, you can't lose. The devil never checkmates God. You are all always on the winning side when you've got favor. Can I talk to you today about favor a little bit? In Potiphar's house, it says of Joseph, betrayed by his brothers, forsaken by his family. It says the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. Praise God. In the dark and desolate Egyptian dungeon under false accusation, the Bible records, quote, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor, favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Gave him favor. It goes on to say, the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Why? Because he had favor 
Why did he have favor? Because God was a co-laborer with him. He was working side by side in the plan of God. And when you're doing that, favor is the byproduct of faithful stewardship because the Lord is working with you everywhere you go. Amen. He wants to bless you in your business. He wants to bless you in your finances. He wants to bless you in your relationships. He wants to bless you in your walk with him. When I read the Bible talking about the favor that came to Joseph, I see that favor did three things. Favor affected the way people saw him. It affected the way people felt about him. And it affected God's bringing blessing to the works of his hands. See, when you've got favor on your life, people will like you and don't know why. People will do things for you and walk away and tell their friends, I don't know why I did that. See, the Bible says when you've got favor, he'll make even your enemies to be at peace with you. Favor. Favor will shine on your life when you're walking with God. Now, it takes time. You've got to be a faithful steward over time. You've got to give him everything that you have and trust him as you walk through life, being a steward over what he's trusted to you. But you'll find that favor, the path of the just, is like the shining light that shines brighter and brighter and brighter until the perfect day. That's the walk of favor. People give you things not know why. When the children of Israel left Egypt, they started taking off all their jewelry and gave it to, to the children of Israel as they left. Here, here's some rings. Here's some bracelets. Here's a necklace. Now, if you'd ask them, why'd you do that? They'd say, I don't really know why because in just a little while, I'm going to try to kill them again. <laughs> but it's favor. I want to preach favor on you. I want you to have favor, church. But you can't live on the peripheral of the church. You can't walk around the flame. You can't look at the water and not jump in. You've got to give him your life. Give him everything. He's not going to bite you. He's not going to hurt you. He's going to bless you. He's going to bless you. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And you'll abide in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that what David said? I picture two little puppy dogs following along behind him. Here's goodness, here's mercy. Like two little dogs following along behind him. Yip, 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 yip. You can't get rid of me. I'm goodness and I'm mercy. And I've been set by God to follow you everywhere you go. Can you say with me, favor? So that's the second blessing of stewardship. And let me close with this one. The privilege of being involved in great projects. Think of Solomon's magnificent temple. Or of Moses leading over a million people from bondage to the promised land. Think about Joshua conquering the land of Canaan. Think about David taking Israel to her zenith of power and influence. Think of Simon Peter's calling to establish Jesus' church. I got to tell you, folks, that just blows me away. Simon Peter, just a blue-collar fisherman. All he ever knew was fishing. Sun-baked, bearded, blue-collar guy, uneducated. One day Jesus says to him, Peter, follow me. And there was the day when his will became subservient to Jesus. When Jesus used his boat, taught the crowds from his boat. And it says when he was done, he said, Peter, now launch out into the deep. He goes out there, he says, cast your net on the right side. 
He brings in a draught of fish that two boats could not bring in, and they sank. It was abundance. Peter fell on his face and said, depart from me and my boat. I'm a sinful man. And Peter said, or Jesus said to Peter, from this point forward, you're going to catch men. And he spoke his future over him. He spoke his future over him. You look in the mirror and you see what is. He looks at you and sees what will be. That's what I love about Jesus. Peter said, I don't know what you mean by that. Catch man, what are you talking about? And when I read 1 and 2 Peter, I read the profound thoughts, the amazing theology. I go, Jesus took a blue-collar, salty, rough-cut fisherman and turned him into an intellectual and spiritual giant. And all Peter did, I give you me. He says, I take it, I bless it, I break it. From that time from, uh, in the boat for the rest of his life, he left everything and followed Jesus. Jesus said to him, Simon Peter, you've always gone where you wanted and did what you wanted. But the days are coming when they're going to take you where you don't want to go and they're going to do to you what you don't want done signifying by what death he would die and we know that he was hung upside down on the cross in mockery of the Christ that Peter preached but this fisherman he affects our world to this day it's not what you are or are not it's what he's going to do with you and for you and through you. When you say, I'm not my own. You bought me with a price. So I give you my life. He takes it. He blesses it. He breaks it. And then your life starts multiplying. And God starts blessing people through your life. And it's amazing. I mean, I'm being read in South Korea now. I've never been to South Korea. But this church is going to touch the world. Because this is not my church, and it's not your church ultimately. It's our home, but it's his. Now, I want him to take it and bless it and bring it into subservience to his will and then multiply it. Great projects. We're headed to a great project. A project where people are going to look at and go, I can't believe that. We're going to look at it and go, I can't believe that. Because it's not going to be by might or by power. It's going to be by the spirit of the living God. No flesh is going to get glory for what God is going to do. Because we've given it to him. He's going to bless it, break it, and multiply it, and touch the world through it. So can you stand with me today? So let's recap it. Say this with me together. Here's the rewards of good stewardship. Say it with me. The privilege of working with abundance. Of working with someone great. 
and of involvement with great projects. Amen. You know, I didn't even know this story about Brandon and him taking my preaching slot and what it multiplied into. But God wants to multiply your life. Now, I felt this morning in prayer, and I'm going to ask there be as little movement as possible. We're about to dismiss. Uh, the restaurant's still going to be open. So hold off, everybody. I'm putting the large yoke on you. I want you to hold still. There. How was that for gutsy? Now, I felt in prayer that God wanted us to have a presentation today. The army says, present arms, and they show that rifle. God says, present bodies, present lives. How many of you want the Lord to glorify himself for your life and you have much fruit, much fruit, that, there, that you leave a legacy that is godly. Well, I want us to take a minute and present ourselves to him. Can we do it? Maybe it's a relationship you need to present to God. Maybe it's your finances. Whatever it is, maybe it's just you. Let's present our bodies a living sacrifice and say, Lord, I want to be a part of the rewards of stewardship. And as you're praying, I'm going to ask Steve to come up and just lead us in a simple little bit of worship. And while he's playing, I want you to have a prayer time. We're in no hurry. It's 1228. Don't get clock-eyed. Get God-eyed right now. And let's look up to him. Can we? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.